welcome back to another episode of In the Fire. Uh, good morning, good evening, and good night, whenever you're listening to this. Um, we are currently recording this on a Saturday morning. Um, not like that matters too much but to you guys, but anyways, uh, we're excited to bring you guys another episode. Um, as always, I'm joined by Justin and Thomas. How are you guys doing? I'm good. I'm doing well. You missed a afternoon. If people listen to this in the afternoon, good afternoon. Ah, you want to ah, try to catch okay. everyone, I guess. <laughs> yes. Well, good afternoon <laughs> to you guys listening to the afternoon as well. We appreciate it. <laughs> All right. Well, we like to see everyone as equally important, Thomas. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> All right. Well, anyways, today uh, we are going to look at parables. Um, then the purpose of parables, why Jesus used them in his ministry, uh, how we can apply them to our lives. Um, and then we're going to get into a parable itself, which is actually Jesus' first parable that is listed um, chronologically throughout Matthew uh Luke and Mark. Um, anyways, that would be the parable of the sower. Um, and we're excited to excited to dive into these. Um, the parable is, and these passages really are in Matthew 13, Luke 8, and Mark 4. But today we're going to look at Matthew 13, verses 1 through 23. All right, so I guess we can go ahead and uh, read the passage off. Um, Thomas, I know you're joined with us in the car. Will you be able to read the passage, or do you want just Jay and I to tackle it? I think it'd be best for you and Jay to tackle it. All right. I agree. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Justin, if you want to read verses 1 through 11, I can go do 12 through 23, if that works. That works with me. I'll get us started off. Matthew 13. On the same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the sea. And great multitudes were gathered together to him, so that he got into a boat and sat, and the whole multitude stood on the shore. Then he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds came and devoured them. Some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth, and they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them. But others fell on good ground and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. And the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? He answered and said to them, because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For whoever has, to him more will be given, and he will have abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. Therefore I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. And in them the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled, which says, Hearing you will hear and shall not understand, and seeing you will see and not perceive. For the hearts of this people have grown dull. Their ears are hard of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, 
lest they should understand with their hearts in turn, so that I should heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For assuredly, I say to you, that many prophets and righteous men desired to see what you see, and did not see it, and to hear what you hear, and did not hear it. Therefore, hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom, and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away that was sown in his heart. This is he who received seed by the wayside. But he who received the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word, and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. Now he who receives seed among the thorns is he who hears the word, and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and he becomes unfruitful. But he who receives seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. Right, and there you have it. That's a pretty lengthy passage, but <laughs> thank you for listening through it all. Um, yeah, so to start, we're actually going to focus more on the, the middle section of those verses that we just read, uh, which in my Bible is is bracketed off as the purpose of parables, verses mm. 10 through 17. Um, and I think it's important to... I don't know, to, to focus on this first, and then we can gain uh, a greater understanding of how to look at the parable of the sower itself, I think. Um, so really, the, the first point I have on the purpose of parables is that it it establishes a just a reality in our world, in that some humans have been saved, but yet many have not. Um, so some with ears to hear, as the passage mentioned, know the mysteries of heaven, while some have hardened ears who have refused to hear, do not yet understand the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. And we see that in verses 12, 14. Um, so essentially they seek response, um, but where there is no response, the message is lost to those who do not yet understand the kingdom of heaven. Uh, yeah, I mean, that, that that certainly makes sense. It's kind of the idea that, you know, to truly understand what the Bible is saying, you first um, have to kind of experience that gospel message yourself. Um, it's almost like the key to unlocking the door to the rest of, rest of Scripture um, and the rest of these stories. You know, you have to first have that understanding of um, kind of the the basic uh, principles of salvation, I think. Um, and once you get that, once you understand that, once you're saved and, you know, have the Holy Spirit and, and God with you, then you're able to more clearly understand what is being said in these parables because it's not on the first read. It just seems like a story, but it's a lot more than that. Yeah. Yeah. I think there are, there are stories with, with great purpose and, application to our lives um and i think you know jesus this isn't the beginning of his ministry it's early on um but he has already uh had or delivered teachings different different types of teachings to uh the crowds around him and then he um and then at some point he does uh introduce the parables into his into his ministry um and so i think 
you know, they're, they're just kind of a, a new medium for which non-believers can come to understand Christianity and follow Christ in a way they didn't before. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they allow, they allow the, the hearer, whoever's listening the audience of the parables to, um, I guess, sort of place themselves in the, in the little short story, this analogy that's being presented to them. Um, and it, in that way, it confronts and challenges the reader and gives them an opportunity to truly hear what Jesus is trying to say. Yeah, um, I agree, I think. And I have another point to make on this later, I think, after we read the parable and get through to the end, the idea that, you know, these parables stick out to specific people for specific reasons. And there's a lot of parables. Um, and so whether you're a believer or a non-believer, um, they're kind of, I think that the easiest description I saw of parables is that they're, you know, earthly stories that convey heavenly messages. Um, so it's a way for everyone to understand if they will truly take um, or take the steps that are necessary to understand it. Um, and when I was reading, I read this parable in Mark and Luke as well, where they write about it. Um, and they say pretty much the same exact thing as it says in Matthew. But my Bible has a little section um, when Mark writes about it, and it's a, a few paragraphs here that say parables more than stories. And it just describes what parables are. Um, and my favorite part of this little side passage that it gave me was it says, Jesus' stories are like wrapped gifts. The packaging of the story can either distract or captivate, but unless the package is opened, the gift itself remains unseen. Likewise, unless one seeks the core of the parable, its truth and application, the lessons will remain hidden. Yet when discovered, these lessons prove extremely valuable. The testimony of millions of of millions of changed lives over 2,000 years attests to this fact. Um, so, you know, I thought that was kind of a neat way to put it. Um, the parables are kind of like the wrapping to the gift, and then you get inside to the heart of the parable, and you actually understand um, what is being talked about in the lesson there. Yeah, I like that. That's a that's a very neat way to put it. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, Thomas, do you have anything to add? out loud and then it's a lot harder to gain the 
understanding we have of parables that we can go back to. Yeah. Uh, I completely agree with that. And my Bible did point out along that same note that we are also lucky in that we have like the writings of Paul um, and other New Testament texts and James and whatnot that help us understand these parables even more. If you know, if you go and read Romans, you're going to be able to come back and probably understand these to a greater extent just because you'll get a greater context of everything. Um and you're right, sometimes Jesus explains it, sometimes he doesn't really, at least from what we see in the Bible. And we even see that the disciples themselves are confused by these parables. Um, so, and, and they don't have, like, Paul around at this point to help break things down to a, to a greater extent. Um, and so it's harder for them to grasp. And if even the disciples are struggling to understand the message, then... You know, we we look at some of these and think, oh, that message of the parable is clear, um, especially for us who, you know, kind of grew up in the church and, and have heard these parables a lot. Um, but that's not necessarily true for everyone, and especially it was not back then. Yeah, I think that's, those are great points and a great perspective to have, like, today looking back on it and how easy it is for us to to understand their value and meaning, especially you know, we have the the entire rest of the Bible written for us and at our disposal. And then over these past couple of centuries, you know, we have many um, resources online and stuff from, you know, pastors and other preachers and theologians that dive into it ourselves, themselves that we can uh, further learn from. Um, so I think it, when you put in perspective, like you guys were saying, when you're someone at the time, um, these, these parables probably weren't written out and especially when you're hearing them for the first time you're just hearing them from the word of mouth um so i think it may it may sift out those who hear it um and understand it they hear it with ears to hear and those who just block it out um i think it really those parables may separate those those two parties um and what was i gonna say oh yeah so um this is, I noticed like this is really the parable of the sower, which we will get into in a second here, is really the only parable that's explained um, by Jesus. Mm-hmm. The other ones, um, like like uh, the verses 18 through 23, where it does explain it, um, my heading says the parable of the sower explained. There is no other, no, I didn't go through this extensively, but I just sifted through all the other parables quickly, and there's not little section on them where Jesus explains the rest of the parables and so I think it it does present an interesting these parables are an interesting medium through which Jesus tries to just another medium for Jesus to uh, spread the word of God and see you know throw these seeds out and see what uh, what gets planted and what grows from it yeah it is and they're meant to to push you deeper in the parables, you know, I, I, sometimes I think, you know, like if I was a disciple, it would almost be, um, frustrating walking around with Jesus all the time. Cause it seems like, you know, you ask him a question, Hey Jesus, are you excited for the weekend? And then he reply, he would reply with like, well, the fox has goes to its den and the, the seeds are thrown on the ground. It's like, what? <laughs> just, <laughs> just answer my question. Um, but you know, Jesus is getting at things much more, on a much more deep level. Um, and those who recognize that and are willing to unwrap the gift, um, 
those are the ones that find what the gift really is at the center. Um, so you can get over the frustration of hearing these stories and get into what they actually mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and eventually, for people who have these ears to hear, they will come to know this gift. Right. Um, and that is, I think that's just the great the great power of these parables. Um, ultimately, you know, knowing the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. Um, is the most valuable knowledge one can possess, in my opinion. And we see this in verse 12a. Um, Forever has to him more will be given, and he will have abundance. So it's sort of this gift that keeps on giving. Um, those who possess the, the understanding of the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, who truly understand the word of God and take it to heart, uh, to more, to more, uh, more will be given to them. Um, so that's just a very, very valuable gift. And then in verse 17, um, it says, For assuredly I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desire to see what you see and do not see it, and to hear what you hear and do not hear it. So I think there's this natural uh, desire for people to uh, possess this deep understanding of you know being able to uh, get eternal life. But then some of these people, like it mentions the fairs, the prophets here, um, and righteous men, they don't hear it yet. They want to hear it. Um, and so I think that that just shows the value of this gift uh, and the importance of having ears to hear, to be able to hear it. Yeah, uh, I was going to, I had a note on the Pharisees in kind of a greater extent. If you, I'll go back to it as a gift. If you look at these parables as a gift that you have to unwrap, um, there are some people, believers or non-believers, who are unwilling to fully unwrap the gift. And I think that comes down to a couple of reasons, maybe because you don't understand it, you get frustrated and you give up and don't want to dig any deeper. Um, And so I think believers and non-believers fall into that category and you just kind of move on. I'm not going to try to figure that one out. Um, But there's also people who, you know, like the righteous or righteous in, in quotes, maybe Um, the Pharisees, for example, who might see that gift, and think, man, I want to unwrap the gift, but I'm afraid of what I'm going to find at the center. Is it going to convict me or is it going to um, convict me in a way that challenges me too much to how I'm living my life now? You know, if I'm a Pharisee, I have good standing. I'm probably wealthy. I Do I really want to unwrap that gift and see what's at the center of it? And so I might not. Um, uh, and then I you know, wouldn't be able to truly find that and it's kind of like i when i was reading through this in luke i flipped a little further and luke 18 is the story of the rich young ruler who you know goes to jesus says what do i have to do to gain access to kingdom of god and jesus says well give up your possessions and follow me and he's the rich young ruler is saddened by that he's not willing to take that step um and so there's you know there's that side of it too where you might look at a parable and think, oh, it's a good story, but I'm, I'm afraid of what it might actually mean for my life down here. Mm-hmm. So there's several yeah, reasons I, I, why it might not, they might not be understood. Yeah, I think that's very true. And then like the parable of the sower, when we get into it, it mm-hmm. sort of examines these different reasons yeah. of people who try to hear and don't hear or who's partially hear and take, partially take it to heart and don't um a a cool thing i want to add though is that a a lot of these parables um like i think they're made 
accessible to the people who hear them. And, and what I mean by that is that, like they mentioned the parable of the sower, the next parable after that is parable of the wheat and the tares. Um, and then parable of the mustard seed. You know, so these are parables that like apply directly to the, the probably the audience who's hearing them to their lives and what they're doing. I'm sure a lot of them are farmers uh, and agricultural laborers. So they understand what a sower is. They understand mm-hmm. uh, the process of getting wheat and tares. Um, and so I think, you know, Jesus uses them to, Jesus uses these parables to really um, hit home to where the, the audience can, can understand it if they're willing to, but often, but the, but he constructs them in, in a way that's very confrontational. So, um, and challenges the audience. So I do think like, like you mentioned with the Pharisees, they hear them, they, they can apply them. They can see where it applies to their life, but maybe they're just fearful of really accepting them. Yeah, certainly. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, before we get dive into the parable of the sower, I do want to mention this Isaiah reference. If you caught on to it uh, while you were hearing us read the read the passage, or if you have your Bible open, you will see that it's in verse fourteen, um, verse fourteen and fifteen, when Jesus says, "And in them the prophecy of Isaiah, Isaiah is fulfilled," which says, and then it uh, brings in Isaiah six nine through ten. Um, but anyways, if you go back to Isaiah. This is the part of the Lord's commission to Isaiah after Isaiah has seen the throne room of heaven. If you recall, we did do a uh, a passage or a episode, podcast episode on the throne room of heaven. Mm-hmm. As a side note, um, it was one of our earlier earlier episodes, maybe around three, four, or five. I it think. was a good one. Yeah, it was a great one, absolutely great. So I recommend checking that out. Um, side note there, um, but anyways. After Isaiah sees his throne room, the Lord uh, asks for someone uh, to to spread the word, to preach to everyone. And Isaiah heeds the call, um, but the Lord calls, preaches to everyone, or the Lord says to bring the word to everyone, even those who will not understand it. And I think Jesus recalls this passage from Isaiah because preaching via parables can reach those who do not yet perceive. Um, so I have, I have a couple references to Klein Snodgrass. Uh, interesting name, but... <laughs> <laughs> All right, Klein, what do you got? <laughs> but he is a, uh, he's a theologian. Um, and he, he calls uh, Isaiah chapter 6, the classic to hear and hardness of hearts. Uh, he says it is a hyperbolic, in-your-face expression designed to confront directly the most hard-hardened barriers to hearing and therefore signals, as one used in Isaiah, the urgency of not only the message, but also the divine concern that drives it. Isaiah 6, 9 through 10 functions to urge people to hear and repent. These themes are developed further throughout the book, uh, whereby divine agency, even the deaf, are brought to hearing, and even the blind are caused to see. Um, so I think that uh, just provides further explanation on you know, this part of Isaiah and then why Jesus brings it in and why um, he focuses so much on ears that hear and ears that don't. Um, you know, in verse 6, six 9 of Isaiah, it says, 
go and tell this people, keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. So it's like, go out and, and, and this is what Jesus is doing. He's presenting, going out and presenting the word of God um, to people in just a new medium, a new way, so that those who do not hear um, and do not yet see, he, he just, Jesus is just going to continue to push uh, the word of God on them. Maybe they may fall on ears that eventually hear and eyes that eventually see, which I think is, is pretty cool. Yeah. That's a pretty neat unpacking of Isaiah there. Yeah, I know we bring, <laughs> I mean, we say this every week, we end up bringing, if it's in the New Testament passage, or we bring the Old Testament in. If it's the Old Testament, we bring a New Testament passage <laughs> in. Um, <laughs> it all It all flows together, which, I mean, is just one of the great themes of the bible it sure um, does. anyways let's get into yep let's get into the parable of the sower now um so i think the parable of the sower clearly supports what uh jesus says in verses 10 through 17 which are that again the purpose of parables and i think it's a great parable to you know start off his his usage of parables and that it develops the idea of hearing that we see in uh, in how Jesus explains what the purpose of a parable is. It's almost um, like a parable about parables. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's a great a great introduction to the rest of the parables that we'll see, and it's more than just an introduction. It has tremendous implications to uh, believers and non-believers, and where our hearts should be at. Um, so what you'll see in the parable of the sower is that you'll have these reference to seeds uh, that are spread throughout the ground. And I take that as seeds, meaning the word of God, mm-hmm. and then types of ground. Uh, it's mentioned the wayside, stony places, among the thorns, and then good fertile ground. Um, I take as ears slash hearts of an individual. So the first... <clears throat> The first ground or ears or hearts that are mentioned is the wayside. Um, And just looking back on this. Okay, and it says, as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside and the birds came and devoured them. And then later on, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away that was sown in his heart. This is he who received seed by the wayside. So I believe the wayside here is referring to the non-believer, the one who just refuses to accept the word. Um, complete hardness of heart, and it, the word just does not get to them. Um, and as such, the seed cannot grow. Uh, the word of God cannot grow inside them. Um, and that is the... I guess sort of the, the most dire or darkest um, presentation of one's ear or heart um, is is the wayside. Yeah, um, and I think it's important to note um, my, let's see, where is it? Um, some seed fell on the wayside and the birds came and devoured them. Um, it's important to note the the birds coming here, I think, almost as like the work of Satan here. He'll do whatever he needs to, he'll devour these, these, um, seeds 
for the sake of trying to distance us from the gospel and from the word of God. Even, you know, this says in, in the commentaries I read, it said the wayside speaks of soil hardened by human and animal traffic, almost like a path. Um, and mm-hmm. of course, if you toss seed onto a path, it's not going to grow really no matter what. Um, but even when it's on the path, Satan's going to do what he can to make sure nothing happens with that. Even in somewhere where it's really not going to grow, he's going to work extra hard to make sure that there's nothing that's going to happen with that seed. He's going to come and devour it. So um, almost a lesson in being aware of that threat um, and the threat that it can cause to other people and trying to actively, you know, for us, maybe there's a lesson there to actively uh, fight against that threat. He'll do what he can to make sure the word of God does not reach the hearts of people down here. Yeah, that's a good point. And you think back into the, the perspective of the those people at the time uh, of when Jesus is spreading his spreading the gospel. Um, you know, as as I mentioned earlier, a lot of these guys are probably agricultural laborers, farmers, so they probably know the difficulties of trying to plant seed all that comes with it, you know, from trying to find fertile ground to where it can grow, but also trying to prevent, you know, pests and birds mm-hmm. from snatching up these seeds and taking it. So they probably know how difficult it is uh, to plant seeds with all these, uh, you know, outside factors trying to, you know, eventually take the seed uh, and not let it not let it grow. Um, and so, yeah, I think that's a great point. You know, the, Satan is constantly trying to you'll not only not let the seed grow once it gets in the ground, get to the ground to where it can grow. Um, so I, I really do think we need to be aware of that and to make sure others are aware of that, that there is that evil force that is always trying to uh, fight against uh, people coming to Christ. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So secondly, after we have the wayside, we've got the stony places. Um, verse 5 mentions some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth and they immediately sprang up because they had no no depth of earth. But when the sun was up and they were they had no root, they withered away. Um, and then later on Jesus explains, but he who received the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For in tribulation, the persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. And this makes me think of a more fair-weather believer who tends to turn away when the going gets tough. Uh, maybe it's a believer who is still early on in their in their faith to where they um, under like they've heard and understand the word and find something attractive about it, but they've not yet developed the, their spiritual tools enough to uh, allow the, the seed to really prosper. Yeah, I think that's right on. Um, I read this and I also got um, the feeling that it maybe re- um, looks at people who, like you go to church and hear a message that's that's really good, or maybe you go to a weekend getaway um, with your church or some group or whatever it may be. And it's, you know, a great weekend of worship and scripture. And you come away with that, um, kind of high feeling a Jesus high, 
I think it's is how it's described a lot. Um, and you think, oh, now I'm going to be different after that weekend. How can I not um, read my Bible every day? How can I not get into prayer and, and worship all the time? How can, you know, or I, I heard that message. Now I'm going to take that and I'm going to go. But then a day later, you kind of forget it and it's all over or a week later or whatever it may be. Um, so you respond immediately with joy and with, oh, I have a changed heart now. Um, but in reality, that seed fell in your soil is, you know, has stone right underneath, no place to grow roots and it blows away. And, and soon enough, it, you go back to how you were before. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I like that. Um, you know, it's, it's sort of like the, the next steps aren't there to right. allow that seed to, to really nourish, be nourished and and grow yeah um yeah there's that initial high but then once that high is gone you know uh um like what are the next steps and i guess those next steps haven't like just the ground is not not for for that seed to grow yeah i like the idea of nourishing there um, that's like you, you're nourished by a whole lot of things in the in the christian life whether it's by other people around you or by you know, continually reading the word, but if you're not going to nourish yourself, then uh, that seed is going to give way. Yeah, yeah. And interesting, sort of an interesting point that I sort of popped into my head. Um, I don't know if it directly applies to here in the stony places, but I, I thought of the prosperity gospel when reading this. Um, and the pro- pro- prosperity gospel sort of avoids the struggles and hardships that can come with being Christian by sort of distorting the word of God to encourage living a comfortable lifestyle. Um, and, and I think that that sort of applies here. Um, at least, you know, I kind of thought it did. You know, it's sort of, um, you know, you hear the word and you see her with joy, but uh, it endures only for a while for when tribulation arises. Um, then you stumble. You know, I'm not, I'm not necessarily going to say that people of the prosperity gospel, um, like necessarily fit into this, but I think they may, um, just sort of ignore the tribulation or persecution that may arise yeah. from the word, um, and sort of frame the word in a new light that sort of like, you know, ignores the, the struggles and hardships that can come with being a Christian. Yeah. I think that's, um, that probably does fall into this category. Um, you know, there's probably some elements of truth to that prosperity gospel and people are catching on to that, but then, you know, it doesn't hit the whole truth. And when you don't get that, then your roots aren't deep enough to grow as you should. Your seed won't grow. Yeah. Yeah. And also Justin, this, makes me think back to the point earlier that you mentioned about the Pharisees and how, uh, like they, they yearn for, um, they sort of yearn for the, the knowledge and understanding of the word of God. But when they truly, uh, under like hear how the parable, um, like affects them in their own life, they sort of get fearful and like, Oh, I don't, I don't actually want to live like yeah. that or do that. Um, so I think that sort of applies to the, you know, the prosperity gospel and, Maybe people uh, whose whose hearts are these these stony places, uh, in that they they hear it, but they are kind of you know fearful of it and don't really 
uh, don't really become changed by the, the challenge that the parable presents for mm-hmm. their lives. I agree. Yeah. All right. Well, now we can move on to the thorns, which is the third type of, of ground that Jesus mentions in the parable. Um, and so some fell among the thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them. Uh, and then later on, Jesus explains that um, now he who receives seed among the thorns is he who hears the word, and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and he becomes unfruitful. Um, so to me, it is the reality that the word of God, these seeds, uh, are a powerful tool for us, which yields endurance through tough times, as well as... Um, Hold on, I got ahead of myself there. Mm-hmm. Anyways, forget what I just said. I'll say that in a minute. But talking about the thorns, <laughs> I think this uh, brings up the uh, the reality of idols and the other gods that we may place before God um, in our lives that stunt and thwart the believer's faith. Yeah, and those idols could be anything. They could be literal other gods. Um, or I do, I do kind of like Luke said the same thing, but kind of. To me, a little more simply, when he writes about this parable, um, those that fell among the thorns are those that when they have heard go out and are choked with cares, riches, and pleasures of life and bring no fruit to maturity. Um, so whether it's, and this I think also applies to like the Pharisees that we were talking about, um, cares, riches, and pleasures. Uh, and cares could be persecution. Cares could be, uh, you know, caring for other things in this world above God, but then riches and pleasures too are kind of our comfort in the world then those can be thorns that then come in and, and disrupt our ability to fully grasp the message of, of Christ here um, and the message of the Bible and fully change our hearts and change our lives because we're afraid to give up what we have in an earthly sense. And we're also afraid of persecution that we may face in an earthly sense. Um, so we allow those thorns, those idols to come before our relationship with God. Yeah, well said. And I do recommend reading um, these the other versions of the parables. Uh, they're very similar, but they yeah. do have different wording. Um, so I think I mentioned earlier, you know, this is Matthew 13, but there's also um, Luke 8 and Mark 4 where these parables come up again. But then they are a little different. Um, I chose this one because in Matthew because goes a little more in detail about the purpose of parables Mm -hmm. um but yeah all of them are great they're very similar but i think you can you know you can gain even more from you know rereading you know three different versions of the same parable um but yeah i think there's you know just from my life there are many uh instances i can think of you know where and many examples of thorns in my life that um you know just idols that I've oftentimes found myself placing before God. And I think it's important to be aware of it as a believer, you know, to really thwart out and, you know, pull out those thorns, those weeds that may uh, threaten to, to strangle, you know, the seed growing, you know, the word of God growing within you. Uh, so I think it's, it's a very important thing uh, for us to be aware of. It is, yeah. Try to recognize the, the thorns in your life and maybe look at these four uh, individuals receiving the message here and think what similarities and differences that 
Yeah, between them, because I'm sure I can point to areas in my life where I am similar to all four of the, <laughs> the people described in this parable. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, that's the beauty of parables. They allow you to place yourself in the into the story and and, you know, see the illustration of where you are in the story and uh, it's where you can apply it to your life. Um, and so that's really, I think that's really, you know, what these parables are getting at. They can present the word of God in a way that, you know, confronts you and you can see where it plays out in your life and uh, where you fit into it, where you need to change. Um, so, yeah. And so that brings us finally to the, the good ground. Um, which is the believer who not only understands the word, but takes the word to heart. <clears throat> Jesus says, um, but others fell on good ground and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. Um, and he received seed on the good ground as he who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundred, some sixty, some thirty. So the seed uh, has not been devoured by um by crows or um, other birds on the wayside, uh, it is free from <clears throat> free from thorns that seek to you know thwart and and just stop its growth. And then it is also uh, a fertile ground, not stony ground, but fertile ground where it can really nourish and flourish and grow. Um, and I think this you know brings back the reality that the word of God is. As I was saying earlier, but uh, and uh, you know, pushing this off to here, the word of God is a weapon which yields endurance through tough times, as well as it yields endless abundance and fruitfulness for those who possess His weapon. Um, and I think that you know, this is the, the ideal uh, ground, the ideal ears and heart that we want to receive the word of God with, because it produces just so many, so many benefits in our in our own life, so much more abundance than. Uh, anything else has to offer. Yeah, I couldn't have said it better myself. That's the goal. <laughs> I hope you guys didn't forget <laughs> I was here. Um, but something I want to kind of talk about here about the, the good soil is some 100 fold, some 60, some 30. And I think that's, that's really important because we as people find it very easy to compare ourselves to other other Christians and other people in general, pretty much in every aspect of our lives. And here it's it's just straight up like some people will have higher yields than others. But that doesn't take away from the yield that you produce. Um, like you're not not everybody's going to be Billy Graham, um, and you shouldn't be. You shouldn't think you're a lesser Christian because you're not the next Billy Graham. But you are doing the Lord's work, and you are yielding what he wants you to yield. And that is the most important thing. Yeah. Um, that's that's a good thing to add there. Um, when I was in college, I was part of a Christian group, and we had a guest speaker come in one time. And one thing that always stuck with me um, was that he said, regardless of how many people you reach with the gospel, like if you can point one person to God or um, see one person come to salvation in him over your four years here, then that's more than enough for like that. It's, it would have been worth it to come here and 
and preach the gospel um, and to try to reach other people, even just one. You know, if you can point one soul towards God, get them started on that path. It doesn't have to be a million people. <laughs> um, we're called to reach out and God's going to do the work in, in people's hearts. So, yeah, some people might have fruit that reaches hundreds of more people than you, but don't let that get you down. Yeah, sorry, I, I, my audio cut out, my connection cut out a little <laughs> bit there. So I caught the end of what Thomas was saying and Justin, what you said. Uh, but yeah, that I think, you know, there's there's a reason why Jesus uh, specifically mentioned, you know, a hun- some 100 fold, some 60, some 30, and that um, all are good, you know, and we shouldn't be discouraged if, you know, we produce only 30 fold instead of and seeing some people, you know, Billy Graham produce 100 fold and more. <laughs> Yeah. Um, because even if we do produce just 30 fold or less, um, it's still part of this good ground, uh, that Jesus talks about in the parable. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I find that, I find that very encouraging and that good ground, you know, that's, I think something we can always try to reflect on and see, you know, am I, am I this ground or my ears and hearts, uh, attuned to the word of God and growing the word of God within myself that, um, uh, it is good ground. Um, so I think that's, those are questions we can always ask ourselves. Um, so yeah, good, good points guys. Um, all right. So now practically, um, how can we gain these ears to hear? Uh, I just made a, a short list, um, from, from, uh, just off the top of my head. Um, the first one that I have is for a believer is to prepare your heart and mind before reading the Word of God and to really take reading the Bible seriously. Um, this is speaking from my own experience is that I'll oftentimes, you know, get in just to a routine of reading the Bible, um, which is certainly a good thing, but, um, but I'll just get into a routine and then from there, um, that routine will just make Oftentimes, I'll fall into a trap where it'll become mundane and it'll just be like a process or a habit that I'm fulfilling. Um, And so I think in my life, I've noticed it's important to really for me to pray before reading the word of God um, so that I can prepare my heart for the really the seriousness and just the just the power and awe that comes with reading the word of God. so to just prepare my heart and mind to realize that before doing it. Um, and then that, I, th- I think that, you know, for me, really helps me take God's word to heart more. Yeah, that's a good, a good thing to do to prepare yourself. Um, and that'll lead us to the idea of humility, which is something that keeps coming back up again and again in these podcasts. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, so we see, these examples of the stony ground and the thorny ground and those who, um, and then the wayside, I guess, um, is that a lot of these instances, these examples are people who, uh, do not quite humble themselves before, before God, you know, they think too highly of, um, themselves to where, um, they don't think maybe they don't think they need Jesus or maybe, they think too highly of, you know, their own desires and stuff. Uh, so they're not willing to submit to God and lower their own desires of the flesh um, and put God first. And so I think that's where humility comes in. Um, so, yeah, another great point, 
Justin, as you mentioned, is to, to humble yourself, to give up uh, your idols um, before you, yeah, in order to hear the word and to grow in your faith. Mm-hmm. I think the passage from Isaiah in here illustrates it, you know, uh, he says, hearing you will hear and shall not understand and seeing you will see and not perceive for the hearts of this people have grown dull. Their ears are hard of hearing and their eyes have closed. Um, and then he says, lest they should open back up and your heart and their hearts turn back, then you'll be able to hear. Um, but it's the idea if your heart is dull or hardened, you're, that's a problem you're going to need f- to fix first before you try and understand the word of God and try to unwrap these parables. Um, because to fully grasp the teachings of Jesus, you have to approach it with a heart of softness um, and humility because it's going to hit you in ways that you <laughs> kind of don't expect. Um, and I, I read a quote from David Guzik in his little study guide for this. It said, the same sun that softens the wax hardens the clay. And so the very same gospel message that humbles the honest heart and leads to repentance may also harden the heart of the dishonest listener and confirm that one path of their disobedience. So if you go in with a hard heart, it's going to harden your heart more when you read this because you're not going to understand it. You're not going to like when you're convicted by it and you're going to be hardened more. But if you go in with a soft heart, you're going to understand it and it's going to be softened even more. So that's step one is approaching it with humility. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really like that. Um, yeah, that's it's a great picture. You know, how <laughs> how malleable is your heart before you um, before you dive into you know anything else um, mm-hmm. with the Word of God? You know, is it soft? Is it willing to receive and willing to be reshaped and reformed? Um, and I think you know that's like as you mentioned, that's step one. That's the most important thing um, we need to do with ourselves before. Um, trying to understand the Word of God as being willing to be changed by it. Yeah. If you find yourself reading the Bible um, and being defensive when reading it, then you're probably not doing it as you should. Um, But if you're being receptive to it, then you're in a good place. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. All right. And then finally, the other quick uh, tip that I came up with on how to have ears to hear is to just, this sort of goes on with what we've been saying, but don't become complacent. Um, you'll constantly, you know, pray to have this, to this, just be reinvigorated by the words, have this, you know, heart of, of flames that just burns uh, for the Lord and is willing to, you know, learn and continue to grow. Um, and so I think, you know, that that can come from just, again, humbling yourself constantly and having this softness of heart, uh, this willing to just be, re, re, uh, like you said, of clay, to just be willing to, um, to be willing to be reshaped by the word. Um, and then uh, preparing your heart and mind before reading the word of God. Uh, each time, you know, recommit yourself to that. And I think that uh, can help with, if you do become complacent or um, just find yourself in the mundane mundane days reading the Bible, you know, there's just great power um, and hope and joy, just endless joy that can come from reading the Bible. And uh, I think just, you know, re- reaffirming yourself uh, to that, that truth each time uh, is, is important. Yeah. 
care for your dirt, your soil, I should say. <laughs> <laughs> Fertilize it. Fertilize it. <laughs> well said. <laughs> um, do you guys have any other suggestions on how you think we can develop and nurture our spiritually inclined ears? I, I thought of one more thing here. Um, it's kind of to read the rest of the Bible. So, uh, you might read this New Testament, read these Gospels, read the parables and think, oh, that's a cool story. Um, but I'm not really sure what I'm supposed to get out of it. But read around. We'll go read the rest of the New Testament. Read some of the Old Testament. Make sure you're getting a larger context of things. Because if you read like a parable and you don't get it, you might get frustrated. You might close the Bible, think oh, I didn't get anything out of that one. But there's always something to get out of it. Try to unwrap that gift a little bit. Um, even the disciples, as we see you know, question Jesus why he's teaching in parables. They didn't fully understand, um, but they stuck with it. They carried on with Jesus. Um, you have a whole Bible in front of you to try to figure all this out, um, and really that's the best way to do it. If you have questions about something, go find somewhere else in the Bible where they can be answered. Keep looking and keep keep searching because eventually you might find that parable or that that lesson that really speaks to you, and there's a reason for that. There's a reason why Jesus gave so many parables. Um, you know, the parable of the prodigal son is going to speak to different people in different situations than the parable of um, the lost sheep, or uh, those might speak kind of similarly, actually. But um, in the parable of, like, the the persistent widow, that's going to speak differently, you know. Um, and it's going to hit your heart in different ways. So keep reading. Don't give up. Uh keep trying to unpack things. Yeah, most definitely. Thomas, do you have anything else to add? Um, I think the importance of prayer, um, but just to kind of reiterate that, you know, like, come to God in prayer and make sure you're talking to Him, but yeah. not only talking, listening too, right? Um, and that's that's the whole years to year thing, you know. You're not you're not going to listen if you don't try to listen. So it does require effort. Um, but I think that's it's it. a good note. Awesome. Thanks, T. Yeah, most definitely. Can never can never reiterate enough the power of prayer and reading the Bible. <laughs> All right. Well, before I close out in prayer, I just want to say, um, I hope that you guys. Uh, our audience, you guys learned something uh, both about, you know, the importance and the purpose of parables and then the parable of the sower. Uh, but anyways, I'll go now to prayer. Uh, dear Lord, we thank you for these parables in your word. Uh, they are gifts presented by you uh, to us um, so that we may uh, grow in our faith and really um, be challenged and confronted with uh, the word of God and hopefully uh, find something that really hits us home um, and changes our heart God we pray that we will have a softness of heart and humility every time we approach your word and that we always take it seriously God um, because there is just so much so much abundance and power and and gift that can be had from uh, and unwrapped from reading your word and growing close to you, God. So we thank you uh, for this day and for getting to record this podcast with Justin and Thomas.
Um, in your name I pray. Amen. 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 <laughs> All right. Well, our, to our audience, thank you for listening. Um, we hope you enjoyed this episode. If you have any thoughts or comments or um, suggestions for future episodes, Please hit us up uh, on our social media platforms. We are on Instagram uh, at In The Fire Podcast. That is just all spelled out, In The Fire Podcast. We're also on Gmail. Uh, it's in three, the number three, and then In The Fire, three In The Fire at gmail.com. Uh, we hope you guys like, subscribe, and share. Uh, but again, thank you for listening. If you made it this far, we are very thankful. Uh, for that. Yes, we are. We are. <laughs> Ask us questions. Interact. <laughs> yep. We'd love any any sort of attention. Um, but again, thank you. All right. <laughs> yeah. All right. Until next week, this is uh, In the Fire Podcast. Bye-bye.